Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward alongside Joey Nagel and Will McNamara. We are back. How are we doing, boys? Been better. Like I said, we are deep in the trenches of the offseason. Deep Nothing's in the trenches. Um, yeah, nothing going on with the Red Sox. Some stuff going on with the podcast. Today is a big day. New logo rolling out today. New graphics. Uh, we're going to be recording consistently. The era of In the Dugout, the second era of In the Dugout is upon us. So we're doing stuff. The Red Sox are not doing stuff. Uh, I feel like collectively, not to speak for y'all, but I have a lot of anger I need to take out in this podcast. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of nothing to talk about in a way because uh, everyone knows, every Red Sox fan knows the full throttle comments at this point. Tom Werner beginning the offseason saying, full throttle, we're going all in. And if this is their version of full throttle, I, I don't know what we're doing. They, they don't want to spend, basically, is where we're at. They have been in on several free agents, but it just keeps turning out that their offer was non-competitive. And they signed somewhere else, and the Red Sox were 6th, 7th, 8th on the list, or weren't even considered. Teoscar Hernandez is what comes to mind. He signed with the Dodgers one year. Um, was it $26 million? Yep. Yeah, and, and the Red Sox offered him like two years for 28. He got one year for 26, 25, whatever it was. So clearly wasn't competitive there in that offer, whatever. So he's gone. You, you, right now where we're sitting, January 15th, there's still options. That's what we're looking at is Snell is still out there. Montgomery's still out there. Jorge Soleil, Reese Hoskins, there are guys out there. But the problem that we find ourselves in here is it doesn't appear the Red Sox are willing to spend that money to get those guys. The, I think the most telling thing that came out was talking about the Red Sox um, self-imposed salary cap. John Henry said last year to Heim Bloom, you can't spend more than $225 million. The first luxury tax threshold is 233. So they're not going based on the luxury tax. They had their own salary cap that was less than the league luxury tax not salary cap in quotes. So that shows that they're not willing to spend money. And it, it seems like this year, it's the same thing. John Henry said at Sox Winter Weekend last year, baseball players are expensive. And that seems to be the problem that we have right now is the Red Sox just don't want to spend. Yeah. And um, it, it's tough because the signings that they are making are all short-term deals. They don't want to handcuff themselves. And I actually do understand it because – it, it, the current free agent class now that Otani is gone, Yamamoto is gone, it's not a great class. It's not full of free agents who can necessarily turn your team around. And the way that they see it right now, they're just in a constant holding pattern to wait for that for that big fish to hit the market and maybe, maybe spend. I don't really trust them to spend right now, given their track record the past few years. But they missed out on the big fish in Otani and Yamamoto this offseason. So my expectations are very low that they are essentially just going to run it back with the same team. And it's really frustrating because, you know, we were told that last year was essentially a bridge year so that we could be better this year so that we could push our chips in this year. But the way that we stand today, it looks like 2024 is going to be a bridge year. I remember a couple of years ago, we kept talking about how 2024 was going to be the year that it all comes together, the year that the rebuild is finally over. And this offseason, it it changed. That narrative changed. 2025 is the year. We have to wait for this young core to come up. While we do have a young, good young core coming up and it's frustrating, you have to supplement it with, you know, serviceable players and field a competitive team, not the same team as last year, which was, you know, the same as years before, last place. It's getting really frustrating at this point. You'd love to see them get creative um, in the free agency market, but we haven't seen that yet. I mean, it, so it's like you said, maybe they see themselves as a holding pattern waiting for Meyer and Teal and those prospects to come up. That's one thing. That, and that's okay. That That's how you run a baseball team that happens. But what the issue is, they're not committing to that. The the full throttle comments, though, they're going to spend all those kind of things. And the biggest one is, why are you going to fire Heim Bloom during the season if you're just going to keep doing the exact style of, of management that Heim Bloom um, was brought in for and that he's known for? Like, if you're going to keep doing the be creative, be cheap, try to get 
um, value for, for low prices. That's Bloom's thing. So why are you going to fire him, bring in Craig Breslow, and then do the same thing? Like, I feel like everyone pretty much thought that, okay, they're firing Bloom, they're bringing in Craig Breslow, they're talking about it's time to compete again, we want to be the Boston Red Sox again, full throttle, all this kind of stuff. That signaled to me and probably every fan out there that it's time, they're going to try again. They, they signed Devers to that extension, which was a big move. They were setting themselves up to finally start to compete again. Like you said, Joey, we saw 2024 as the year that we start going again. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know what happened to that. Because it was pretty much league-wide, organization-wide at the beginning of the offseason. That's what everyone thought was going to happen. And there are tons of quotes that we could go through where they talk about how they want to compete. This one from Brian O'Halloran, um, the assistant GM. We were disappointed being a game over 500. We're committed to improving that. Committed to doing things this offseason to be in a much better spot next year. We have an emerging young core, and there have been some real positives from young players, both here in Boston and the upper levels of the farm system. But ownership is definitely committed to doing what it takes to improve the team this offseason to go into next season with a chance to win a championship. What happened? Like, if you have a very high-ranking official uh, member of the front office saying that kind of stuff, but then that doesn't happen, then where is the disconnect? Like, is this solely on John Henry, or is there? are they just trying to lie to us organization-wide to try to get the fans to believe that they're trying when really they're just punting? No, there's there's absolutely nothing there because, I mean, you hear that quote, we're disappointed being a game over 500. Yeah, I mean, we get that. No one likes to be a game over 500. You want to be in a position where you're winning 90 to 95 games a year. But saying that we have this young prospect talent, that's also true. You know, they're they're telling us the, the in-between-the-line stuff that we want to hear and then doing nothing else for it. You have these young prospects who can develop and who can play and who are going to help us in the future, but we need to start supplementing that with guys who have veteran presence who can go out and put on a clinic any day of the week, and they're just not doing anything for it. Well, what's funny is what you just said is ex- very similar to what Tom Warner said, um, where he said, you need great players. It's not about selling the appeal of the team. It's about having great players. And generally, you need players who have a high war to be a winner. Yeah, Raphael Devers is a star who will be with us a long time, but we need to complement him with other talent. Exactly. And that was Glad coming from Tom that, Warner. They know it somewhere in their brains. They know it somewhere out there, but they're just not actually doing it and committing to it because that quote is 100% right. Raphael Devers is a star, the face of the franchise, one of the best players in the game. You went out there and you signed him to a long-term, double-digit year contract. Why are you going to do that if you're not going to supplement him with other players? They're wasting Devers' prime with this. They're wasting what could be a great beginning of a career for Tristan Casas. Like, it's they're not, also they're also wasting great prospects who can yes. win games in this league, but they don't have the help. Yes, not only great prospects playing for them, but we're one of the best farm systems in baseball now, and these prospects have log jams at positions. Not all of them are going to play in the majors. Not all of them are going to work out. Not all of them are going to have a spot. You have to trade them at some point, or you're just going to waste organization them. where we can get valuable players in return who can start on our major league roster. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're that far off. Last season, 78 and 84. Yeah, that's last place, but it was a really good division. We were above 500 most of the season. We were in playoff spots at at points where, like, we were in a position to make the playoffs at points. We had a great offense. I don't think that we're that far off from being a competitive team. Yeah, it's a really hard division, but you, you sneak it in as a wild card team, anything can happen. The problem last year was the defense and the pitching. The offense wasn't the problem. So if, if you get guys to supplement that, if you build actually a rotation, if you work on the defense, get some, like I don't think that we're that far off, so I don't know why they're just not taking it to that next level and being competitive. It's, it's not going to break the bank. Jorge Soler, two years for $28 million, three years for 36 whatever it's going to take, that's not going to break the bank. Just pay it. Even Jordan I, Montgomery, I, whatever he's going to cost, yeah, I know he has a really high asking price and it's going to be a significant amount of money. It's not Yamamoto money. It's not Shohei money. 
think of it as you you failed developing pitching you got to go out there and pay for pitching like it should be a no-brainer to sign a guy like jordan montgomery but it's just not it's not happening i don't i just i don't see why they don't start making strides either it's it's starting to be clear that he even wants to be here. Didn't he just move to Boston like a couple yes. months ago? Yeah, for the offseason. He chose to spend his winter in Boston. Yeah, like His wife is doing her here. residency at a, a Boston hospital. Like, It fits. He's John it's Lester. Perfect. Bring him to Boston. It's perfect. Why Why wouldn't he be in Boston? Yeah, I mean, I, he I'm was my number one guy not, going into the offseason. Like, the fit is crazy. but I'm like not as negative as you guys are right now because I do – I, I trust Breslow in terms of him being the guy for the job because he is different from Bloom. Uh, I don't think Breslow is the problem, though. I think I, I trust him, too. I think it's the ownership yeah. that's the issue. That's Yeah, so that that's more of the issue right now. It's more that he's handcuffed in free agency. And yeah. uh, to an extent, I understand it because, like like I said, the cla- uh, you know the remaining free agents really are not that good. And I think at this point with Montgomery, he there haven't been that – there haven't been many strong rumors with him right now. And I think teams are all collectively waiting him out to, to drop that price down. Um, But so far I am impressed with Breslow in the trade market. He's been aggressive. He's been, he has not been afraid to lose a trade or make a mistake. He's said that publicly. And I respect that a lot. That's what makes him completely, completely different from bloom. Um, We know that he's been trying to trade for, a young controllable pitcher. They were trying to trade for Lazardo, but you know, that's the new trend in baseball, young controllable starting pitching. Everyone wants them. So the asking price is absolutely absurd. So, um, you know, it's, a if it's, I think it's different if you're on the trade market for something else, he can get that done. And I know he's not done this off season. Um, we can get into that later, but there are some guys that I don't see on the team, uh, come spring training, but, there is going to be a move. There's going to be a trade. He's going to add something to this team. I, I, I will stand on that. I know it will happen. So, um, it's kind of a wait and see right now. My main frustration is the offense was good last year, but Justin Turner was the heartbeat of that lineup. He was the glue guy. He held it together and they, they've made it clear that he is not coming back. So what's your plan to replace him? And I, Solaire's a good hitter. He's affordable, but I don't think he's Justin Turner when it comes to plate approach. You need someone, a middle of the order bat, who can use that monster, but who can also work counts and draw walks. And I'm not sure if Solaire is that. There's a there's a little too much swing and miss in his game for him to be the anchor of a lineup, in my opinion. That could be filled with Devers and Casas, and hopefully, uh, you know, an, a, a strong, consistent year from Yoshida. That's what gives me hope, but. There's a lot to do in the rotation and you still need a middle of the order bat and there isn't necessarily one out there. So I, I don't know what exactly they're going to do, but I, I'm confident that something will be done. Uh, maybe not to fill both of those needs, but definitely one of them. I mean, I, I agree with you that I like Breslow's ability to trade and how he's not afraid to lose a trade. But we've been saying what you you just said all offseason. It's going to happen. It's gonna, Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to make that move. And we're kind of running out of time. He's still got time right now. I'll give him that. And that's what I said to start out is we're in a position where we can still turn this around. But if you look at the deals he's done, yeah, they've been some good deals. And we have to talk about Chris Sale getting traded. But has this team gotten better from last year? I don't think so. You basically swap Verdugo for O'Neal. You you swap, uh, you get Grissom for second base. That's cool. Is that really that much of a difference? Um, you lose Chris Sale in the rotation. You get Lucas Giolito. This team isn't better, and there's talks of Kenley Jansen gonna get getting traded. That's gonna make you worse. I like. I don't see at this point a path to being competitive next season, given what they've done so far. Like they're not trending towards that. And the the comments about the the salary cap being two twenty five and not being able to spend and the just the non competitive offers, it's not who we should be. Like, I think Joey, I think understandably you've come to kind of settle for the best you're gonna get. Like this is what they've conditioned us to be okay with is 
oh well okay we'll get like a, a middle um a mid-tier like bat for the lineup and that's gonna cover the hole a little bit it's a band-aid but what we used to be 2017 2018 we were like the big name out there in free agency players actually wanted to come here we were one of the top contenders in every free agent negotiation and now i feel like starting with like the xander bogart's trade extent or uh contract extensions and different free agents last year where they would take less money to go somewhere else i think the reputation that boston is creating for itself is is not a place where players want to be because the owners don't fully care they're not willing to spend and that's more of what I have a problem with. Breslow, I still love him. I think he's the guy for the job, and I trust him. But like I said, I just don't trust the owners to be, at least John Henry, to be fully invested in the Boston Red Sox, not just in 2024, but the future. Like, if you're not, I get you have Meyer and Teal in these prospects, but if you're not trying to win now with who you do have, then why? are you even trying at all? Like, why, why do you own the Red Sox if you're not trying to win with the players that you have, with Rafael Devers in his prime? Another thing I want to add to that point is I think another big reason why a lot of these players aren't opting to want to come to Boston at all is there's no loyalty. The owners aren't loyal to their players. I mean, think about that 2018 World Series team. We had one of the – it was one of the best seasons in MLB history record-wise with some of the greatest players we've ever seen. And the only player left on this squad from that team is Devers. Yeah. One. In five years, one left. There's no loyalty to these players. They they trade them, they release them, and they let them go in free agency. It's just, if you want to keep a competitive team and a competitive mindset, you need to let your players know that they can be here for the long run. They can try to help us win a World Series, and they're not going to be gone in the next two years. Well, that's why I thought it was getting turned around is when they offered Devers that extension that was actually fair money and long-term, I thought, okay, here we go. We're finally going to be that team again because they couldn't extend Mookie. I know that there were other things, factors in play there where he didn't want to sign an extension and want to test free agency. But still, you lose Mookie Betts. Xander Bogarts, that was a mess. We've talked about that plenty. That you should have done. You should have gotten that done. And so when players look at Boston, it's like, oh, well, they couldn't keep face of their franchise Mookie Betts. They couldn't keep face of their franchise Xander Bogarts. Going back to John Lester, like it's happened over and over again long term. So, again, that's why I thought you signed Raphael Devers. Okay, sends a message. We're going to try. We're going to try to keep our, our, our homegrown players. But if you're not willing to spend to support him, like I've been saying, then there's no point. Yeah, great. You signed Raphael Devers. What have you done about Tristan Casas? I don't think he's even been approached about an extension. Brian Bayo was talking about how he'd love an extension. He'd love to stay in Boston, but the, the negotiation with him went nowhere. So that just kind of keeps feeding into that same narrative. Like in the short deals, Lucas Giolito, they signed him to a two-year deal. That's really a one-year deal because he's going to have a good season because they're going to fix him and he's going to leave and go somewhere else. Everything yeah, they're trying to do that. is short-term. That, that contract drives me nuts. That's one of the most spineless contracts you could ever give. If you're going to take a chance on the guy, guarantee the years. I don't care if he's bad. He's a guy who makes 30 starts every year. He he talks about how his goal every season is 200 innings, and he comes pretty darn close to it every single year. I don't care what his ERA is. That's a valuable guy in the rotation. We learned that from last year because we, we had a three-man rotation for two months. Having someone who shows up every five days and will give you at least five innings is so valuable to a team, regardless of how the performance is. And the benefit of this, you can fix them. You can bring them back to a Cy, you know, a Cy Young contender, and you give him a one-year deal. It's structured to where if he pitches well, you trade him at the deadline. Yeah. It it it's it's such a spineless deal. And I understand from Giolito's perspective why he would want to do that because he wants to hit the market. Oh, great again. deal for him, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if if Giolito's balling out, I don't think, you know, come All-Star break, I don't think he's getting a midseason extension. I don't think he's, you know, going to – obviously he wouldn't pick up his option. Um, I, I just have a hard time seeing Gio, Giolito on this team come August – 
if he pitches well, which is so frustrating because a guy like him is so valuable to a rotation. He's a perfect complementary piece. And I think he's set up really well for the Red Sox to fix him and figure out how to get him back to that that all-star caliber number two that we, we've seen before, flashes of a number one maybe. Um, he, he talked about on Jared Kravis's podcast about how they presented some things to him that really opened his eyes um, in, in their meeting. Breslow is a big pitching development guy. Andrew Bailey did great things for the Giants, big pitching development guy. And they hired another guy, I forget his name, but the focus is pitching development. That's that. Those are the guys that we brought in. And so a guy like Lucas Giolito is a perfect case for these guys to work on where they can find out some problems with his usage or his delivery or whatever it is, whatever these nerdy baseball things are that they figure out, they can work on those with him and bring him back to being the, the talented pitcher that he is because the talent's there for sure. And like you said, he eats innings. He'll, he tries to go 200 plus innings every year and makes his starts. So a guy like that is valuable in itself. And if you can fix him and bring him back to the, the quality pitcher that he's shown he could be, then that is a very big part of your rotation. But like you said, it's one year. So if that happens, he's gone. And like that's the kind of deal that I feel like you do if you think you have a shot at competing this year. You do like that one-year deal, try to get some value out of him and, and go all in on this year. But if you're not actually supplying other players around him, around these guys, then, then I, I don't even understand the point of that. Yeah, maybe you trade him at the deadline and get some prospects back, but the rebuild should be over. We have enough prospects. Like That's not really the issue. It's just everything that they do doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't line up. There's no consistency in the moves that they do in terms of some plan. And it's worse with the, the narratives that they try to tell us, and it's just all over the place. It's a mess. Oh, by the way, um, they're not doing the town hall this year at Winter Weekend. Yeah, Last that year. Was, that's that so was embarrassing. That's spineless, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, famously last year was the town hall where ownership and, and Heim Bloom got booed and has to an- had to answer questions. John Henry got tons of boos. Uh, John Henry's not even coming this year, first of all. And then they also decided to cancel the town hall. It's just sad. It's incredible. They, they were under fire last offseason, but I think they're under more fire this offseason due to the full throttle comments. And to not show up if you're John Henry is just yeah, you can't, ridiculous. You can't make those comments and go full throttle. We're going all in. We're going to go back to being competitive all throughout the organization. Several different guys saying that and then not go out there in front of the fans and support that to to back yourself up to own it whatever it is like they, they say those comments and they just run the bushes and hide and then well, they don't actually there's, there's probably a liverpool game that weekend so you know yeah because that's all that's, cares where, that's where henry's gonna be baseball just, players are expensive he doesn't want to invest in sickening. this team sickening sell the team sell the team please sell, it. sell please I mean, it's just it's just knowing that you're going to show up and get berated by fans. All right, so if you know that's going to happen, do something to fix it so your fans don't hate you. Maybe put together a decent baseball team, and then you'll be available to answer questions because, oh, we're doing well. The biggest thing with Boston fans is Johnny Gomes said they're the smartest fans in baseball. You can't lie to, to Red Sox Nation. We are very intelligent fans, very passionate fans, and we we know when you're trying or not. And it's been this way for several years now where they try to convince us of some narrative. They say these things one day and then say different things the next day. And it's at some point, like, if you're not going to go all in and compete this year, that's fine. That's one thing. But own up to that. Admit that, okay, we have a lot of young guys coming in the minor leagues. We want another bridge year to kind of get those guys more major league ready or whatever it is that you're doing, just admit to it. Just be, I know you can't obviously tell us your whole entire playbook because you need some kind of, um, you know, like you can't have the whole league knowing that, like it's a business, but just something simple. Like uh, we're still focused on bridging to the future, whatever, like, I'm just, as many Red Sox fans probably are, just so ticked off with the whole full throttle thing. And I, that's been out there for a while and whatever. But it's just all the other comments too, 
where they're like, um, it's time to compete. And then they're just not backing it up with anything or even trying to because of the non-competitive offers. Like, I don't need you to go out there and build the, 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 a $300 million team that's going for the World Series. It's just about filling the holes and being competitive and trying at least a little bit. Because yeah, I do I not think, want I think first... to go out there next season and watch what I watched last season where it's back and forth. Is this a good team? Is this a bad team? Oh, all these holes. This is a problem. We have this random guy starting who gets DFA'd the next day because we have no other depth in the rotation. Like, fill out an actual full Major League Baseball team that has some shot at competing. And that's the thing. Competing, like, they're trying to tell us that they're going to make a few moves this offseason and then magically we're going to be competing for a World Series again. And I think it's wrong. I think the first step we need to be doing is a competing in the free agent market and then B just competing in the, in the division. You can't come off of a year where you finish last in the division and say, all right, next year, you know, we're going to be in a position where we're going to win a world series. Try to finish maybe second in the division. If anything, like that's what we need to see as competing or else you're doing nothing for us. Yeah. I mean, this team isn't, bad it's not terrible you're not like seven different pieces away from being competitive just fill some of the holes like at this point i'd be i I know joey jorge soler doesn't have the the plate discipline and vision and whatever that that justin turner has but the dude hits bombs he's huge he's right-handed and it'll be fun to watch him hit at fenway oh yeah i don't at least give me that he'd supplement the offense absolutely i don't need blake snell i don't even want Blake Snell. No, I, don't I didn't. Snell. I didn't fully want Yamamoto because that's a lot of money. Shohei was never. I was wasn't asking for Shohei. Jordan Montgomery's a John Lester type guy. It'd be fun to see him pitch at Fenway. Or even if you don't get Montgomery, at least get a full rotation of competent starters. Whoever well, else it is, if they go out and get Mike Clevenger, it's not really going to excite me, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um... I saw something that Alex Spears said. Uh, if the Red Sox could shed Kenley's salary, they could afford Montgomery and Solaire and still stay under that self-imposed luxury tax. And that's while that's nice to hear that that could happen, it, it's ridiculous that that is a roadblock. Yeah, that makes absolutely yep. no sense to me for two reasons. First of all, you shouldn't even have that self-imposed salary cap. Just spend the money. Like, come on. And the second thing why do you have to wait to trade Kenley first? Like the luxury tax penalties and like the, the final sal- it doesn't happen until the season starts. I don't even think it happens right away. So why can't you, you sign Solaire and Montgomery or either, or now, and then have them on your roster and trade Kenley a few weeks from that. Like it's, it's the same thing in the end. You don't have to wait to trade Kenley first. Like, it's not like John Henry only has a certain amount of money in his bank account and they have to use that, or they have to to trade Kenley to add to that to sign a guy. Like John Henry's a billionaire. Like he, that, that's also not how baseball. Yeah. Like just sign the guys and then trade later to fix the salary issues. Just also, just what what's the point of self imposing a salary cap if you're? And I mean, I get like maybe you don't want to spend as much, but if you're going to impose a salary cap for yourself, why are you doing it eight million dollars under the actual salary cap? Yeah, like for the first luxury tax. What is $8 million in the MLB? That's one year of a mediocre middle rotation guy. Well, that's what's frustrating to me too, is there's no reason to do that. It's just John Henry doesn't want to spend that money. There's no other way to look at it in my mind because you're not getting any penalties by the league. I can understand that. You don't want to have the extra taxes um, and whatever. But if there's no league penalty to being at 232 instead of 225, then why does that difference really matter? To a team like the Boston Red Sox, too. Like, we should not be pinching pennies like this. It's so infuriating. Just shows me. John Henry doesn't care about the Red Sox. Doesn't want to go to winning weekend. Doesn't want to spend. Cares more about Liverpool and buying whatever random rugby teams or whoever else out there. Doesn't care. Sell the... We've got merch. We've got merch. John Henry doesn't want to spend. He doesn't care about the Red Sox. It's time to sell the team. We launched a sell the team t-shirt to push this movement. 
We also have some other In the Dugout podcast merch up there as well. Go get your Sell the Team shirt and wear that out to Fenway. Uh, you can get other stuff there too by going to in the dugout.myspreadshop.com. That is in the dugout.myspreadshop.com. And for a limited time only, you can get 15% off anything in that store. Simply hit redeem on the webpage and it'll be applied at checkout and you can save money. Just like John Henry's trying to do, apparently. Um, yeah, I'd love if they sold the team. Be nice. Great. Be very cool. Uh, we got to talk about Chris Sale getting traded because that was pretty significant. Uh, so Chris Sale was traded to the Atlanta Braves for infield prospect slash future like 2024 starting second baseman for the Red Sox, Vaughn Grissom. Overall, I think it's a good trade. Obviously, Chris Sale hasn't really worked out since signing his extension. I don't think it's his fault, obviously. The injuries have been um, just totally unfair. I don't think anyone got as unlucky as Chris Sale has in the past several years with just unrelated injuries, just back-to-back, and just trouble being out there on the field. Chris Sale is a guy who wants to compete every day. It killed him that he wasn't able to go out there and pitch for the Red Sox every five days. And the road that he had to go down, just constantly rehabbing and working on getting healthy, I feel for the guy. And it was incredible when he was able to come back and still pitch like a stud. Uh, last season, it was really fun where he was he was going for a little bit and he looked like vintage Chris Sale. And it was a blast because when Chris Sale is on, Chris Sale is a Hall of Fame type pitcher. And it was great to see him healthy there. And obviously, he, he got hurt again. And... He was looking at potentially coming into this season fully healthy, which would have been cool. But at the end of the day, he was making around $30 million and hadn't been able to be healthy and be consistent. It was the same narrative every single year. We talked about it every trade deadline, how we're, that we're looking at Chris Sale is the best deadline acquisition there can be. He'll, he'll be coming back. He'll be healthy once we get Chris Sale back. Once we get Chris Sale back. Same thing every year. And at some point, you kind of got to give up. Um, Obviously, if, if uh, the situation was right in a trade, it, it would make sense to do. And I think this is the right situation. Uh, Chris Sale is a great guy. He waived his no trade clause because he wanted the Red Sox to get back a piece because at the end of the day, he was upset that he just couldn't help the team and he wanted the Red Sox to be able to get back someone who would help the team. So we get Vaughn Grissom, who we'll get into in a second. But Chris Sale, I, I don't think there's a better place he could have gone. Obviously, the Atlanta Braves are a powerhouse team the shot at winning another World Series. So great place for Chris Sale to be. He doesn't have to be the ace there because they have Max Freed and the other guys in the rotation who who can take that weight off his shoulders where the Red Sox were looking at him to be an ace still. He'd come back from injury and everybody would be like, oh, our ace is back. That That's not fair to him when he's trying to come back from injuries and struggling with that consistency. So I think he found himself in in a great spot. And obviously he got more money because he got there and the Braves instantly do what they do and they sign him to an extension. Um, so I, I really hope that Chris Sale is able to stay healthy and I, I really wish him the best. Um, such a crucial part of that 2018 team and the success of that that World Series uh, roster. Um, so yeah, I wish him the best out there. But uh, Von Grisham is our new second baseman. I like him. I really didn't know anything about this guy. Didn't know he existed. But um, after looking into him and, and hearing a lot of stuff that people had to say, uh, Chipper Jones was talking to Will Middlebrooks about him and said that he has the potential to be a good second baseman, has really good bat-to-ball skills. I like him a lot. Honestly, yeah, That's I think nice. it's a good it's a good pickup. Um, you know, he's got a good glove in the infield. He has that opportunity to start, you know, 130 games for the Sox this year if he if he can. Um not a power hitter, which is fine because you don't have to be at Fenway. Um, especially as a second baseman. You know, he's just he's making contact. He has a good average. I think he's a 278 career, if I have that right. Um obviously you hate to see Chris Sale go, but this is such and in, in my opinion, this is such a Red Sox deal. Like you're gonna trade away some some deep veteran presence for a young guy that can supplement something in the offense and play good on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a great deal. 
Yeah, I mean, his his bat-to-ball skills speak for themselves. He's also 23, which is great to bring a young guy in. Um, and he, he was, again, log-jammed with the Braves. Like, he didn't really have a place on that team with the rest of their roster. So he got sent down last year because of that. Had 330 in, in the minors, 324 the season before, 319 the season before, 288 in his first pro season um, with OPSs around 900. I, his offense is fantastic. And like you said, we don't need him to be a super slugger power bat. He's a second baseman at Fenway Park. Get on base, allow guys like Devers and Casas and Yoshida and whoever else to drive you in. Um, that's all it takes and provide a serviceable glove at second base. Second base was a nightmare last year defensively. So as far as where the bar is, it is in the, in the basement. So I don't think you can be any worse than that. So go out there, be serviceable, and it's an upgrade. Yeah, and um, speaking about that Chipper Jones stuff, another thing that was said about Von Grissom is that he has an incredible work ethic. So that's a, another yes. really encouraging thing to hear. Uh, this guy's a grinder. He 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 works his ass off to day in and day out to be the best version of himself. And it's nice to see that he's finally going to get a big league job playing every day. And, you know, he, um, I think he might actually open some eyes with the power because he's a right-handed bat. He has his first career homer at Fenway. Um, he's a pull, he's a pull hitter who hits a lot of doubles in general. I think we could see him as a potential 30 plus double guy. He's going to use all he's going to hit gap to gap. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting. And another thing is, uh, when the trade was made, Breslow immediately said, "This is our everyday second baseman," and that's committed right away. Yeah. It struck me because he wasn't like Kyle Bloom. He didn't talk in circles and say, "You know, this is a very versatile guy who can plug in in many different positions and put us in our you know position to succeed." Blah 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 blah, and talk in circles. It's nice that Breslow made the trade, and he's like, "Yeah, he's our everyday guy." Exactly. It's refreshing to hear. 100%. And also, an everyday guy at second base is something that we haven't had really since Pedroia. And not to put a super unfair comparison on him right away, but you talk about work ethic and being like the the first guy in, last guy out, always wanting to be better. Sounds a lot like Dustin Pedroia. Um, Yeah, from a work ethic standpoint, I definitely think that that comparison is fair. And regardless of if he has a superstar, like, quality season or if he's just kind of a average guy there it it will be nice to have an everyday guy at second base or like will said at least like 130 games where you know that okay grissom's out there at second base that's that is our second baseman that'll be nice to have because i think again with the heim bloom era one of the big problems was how non-committal they were with players it's really helpful for baseball players who are routine guys to know where they're going to be playing, know who's going to be playing next to them. So you commit to Grissom being your second baseman. Trevor Story knows he's the shortstop, and the infield is pretty set. And you kind of know up and down the roster who's going to be playing where. That's super helpful. And you have then uh, you have guys competing too, because then Pablo Reyes is like, all right, I'm not the starter. I need to work harder to earn that. Or you have guys in the minor leagues, Nick York, I want to take that job from him. That, that kind of healthy competition is really good too. So like you said, Joey, I love that Breslow committed like that um, right away too, without hesitation. That's really good to see. And I'm really excited to see what Grissom brings to the table for the Red Sox this season. Uh, we saw his, like you said, first MLB Homer at Fenway park. So he's familiar with it. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to see him play. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Good guy. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good guy. Um, isn't what number is he's wearing number five or is that O'Neill? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Tyler O'Neill. I don't think we've actually talked about him either. Um, I don't remember when we last recorded, but I'm excited for Tyler O'Neill too. He reminds me of Hunter Renfro, mainly because he is super jacked. I think the, <laughs> the Red Sox might have the most jacked outfield in the majors with Duran and O'Neill out there. They're only missing out at least Garcia. Um but yeah, I, I've kind of liked Tyler O'Neill since he came up uh, with the, the Cardinals because he's my favorite combination of tools. He's got speed, which is fantastic. He has a great glove, um, and he's got power, big-time light tower power. Obviously, he had his problems with St. Louis 
last year and kind of, you know, clubhouse problems, got benched, whatever. Um, but 2021, 34 homers, 80 RBIs, batted 286 with a 912 OPS. If he can bring that to the table for the Red Sox at Fenway Park, again, right-handed pull bat with a monster there. He has the potential to do major damage, um, kind of like Hunter Renfro did. And again, the, the glove, I'm trying to find, I feel like he's won multiple gold gloves. He has two gold gloves in left field. Two gold gloves. In left field, I feel like he'll probably be playing right field, I'm guessing, at Fenway with Duran in center. And left. Yeah, depending, obviously, on whatever trades may happen. Um, but that makes the most sense to me. Uh, yeah, so I really like him as the addition. We gave up Nick Robertson, who we got in the Kiki Hernandez deal, um, and then I think some other lower-level prospects. But overall, didn't give up that much, so I really like that trade that addition plus he is still 28 years old so plenty left in the tank for him potential wise yeah i mean we, we talked about how this team is a very left-handed heavy um lineup so bringing in a right-handed bat like that with that kind of power is huge i talked about how it's kind of swapping him and verdugo i like o'neill more than verdugo because one he's a right-handed bat so that kind of adds to the versatility of the lineup but also he brings more speed still has a really good glove I'm guessing he has a really good arm considering he's he's he jacked. He could probably throw a ball into Waltham. Um, so, yeah, I really like him as our addition here to the outfield. Yeah, I think, I think he's a good pickup. Low-risk, high-reward I mean, deal. Yeah. Low-risk, high-reward for sure. It's just you pick up a player who you know can put a decent offensive season together and has proven himself as a great defensive player in the outfield. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? He plays bad, and then we have – guys to fill that role behind him. I mean, it's it's a perfect situation, and I think he's going to do great in a Red Sox uniform. It gives yep. you time with Raffaella, too, if you decide to hang on to him. Um, yeah. Injuries are also a big problem for O'Neal. He has trouble staying healthy. so He'll fit right in. Yeah, he, he will fit <laughs> right in. Right. That also makes sense for our outfield. Um, you know, it gives a lot of – it gives an opportunity to do a lot of mixing and matching any given day. Um and, you know, if worst case, he's used as a late game defensive replacement and your outfield defense is a lot better going into next year. Yeah. And again, he's got that speed too. Um, speed kills. And you put together him plus Trevor Story plus Jaron Duran, um, Connor Wong, sneaky fast as a catcher. You got some pretty good speed out there and wreaking havoc on the base pass like that. Goes a long way. Speaking of speed, this just popped into my mind. The other day, I was just thinking about Alberto Mondesi and how that just did not work out at all. I thought he was still on the team, but I don't think he is. No, he's not. No. So I was thinking just, about, I'm like, wait, is he an option? And like, no, he just we signed him for and we had him for like two years or whatever it was, or even even lasted two years. We traded never for him. Didn't exist. Josh Taylor. Yeah. Very, very uh, funny situation. It never happened. Adalberto Mondesi never happened. Convinced that he's not even real. No, he kind of forgot that we had him for a bit. We really didn't. Like when people look back Just on like his on, career, in the I don't even know if he played a spring training game. I no, don't think he, he did. No, because he was injured. He didn't he play never, a single game anywhere in the organization for us. He didn't even play for no, the Woosons. He never even rehabbed. Because he kept getting shut down. They're like, yeah, he started running today, and then the next day they shut him down or something like that. Yeah, that I, the only times. report I remember the whole season about him was, um, oh, Montessi was running around today. Next day, shut down. <laughs> what, a, what a wild thing that happened. That's brutal. Uh, speaking of the Woo Sox, another, another move that happened while we were in a little hiatus. Uh, a good friend of the show, Ryan Fitzgerald, was lost uh, to the Kansas City Royals. I am still very upset about that. I have not gotten over that and don't think I will. I really want him to get a shot with the Red Sox. I'm a big fan of Fitzy. But on the bright side, maybe he'll actually break into the majors with the Royals. So that'd be cool to see. But um, Yep, that's what I care about. I want to see him make his debut. That would be really cool. He's very easy to pull for. And, yeah. um, you know... 
it was it was really fun having him around. It made going to Woo Sox games fun because everyone had their Fitzy shirts. He was easily, you know, then he took over for Franchi as the wonder of Worcester. <laughs> he did. Uh, that's for sure. But it'll be nice to see him hopefully get a shot to make a major league team because uh, the way our roster is constructed, it was just never really going to happen here. Well, it could have, but they could have, but could have. They were putting Bobby Dahl back out at shortstop instead of Fitzy. Well, Bobby Dahlbeck might be on the opening day roster next season. That was a How transition. He that? sure will be. Big Bob out there. Forget forget a free agency acquisition or a trade. You got Bobby Dahlbeck out there. He's going to hit 40 bombs for you. Easy. As a I think Bobby only. should be on the opening day <laughs> roster as a pitcher. He was a good <laughs> pitcher in college. He was right. objectively a good pitcher in college. Why in don't college, why don't for sure? A, yes. Why don't we just Why don't we just make him a pitcher? I think we should just keep trying to teach him new positions until it just yeah. works out. Until one last of them year, clicks. <laughs> yeah. Last year they were putting him at shortstop, right field. Next up, pitcher, catcher, just center field. Keep trying. Throw him in center. He's got wheels. Yeah, dude can move. He's got now that he has the glasses, he can see the ball and hit too. So you got the offense. Always won, helps. He won like didn't he win like Woosox player of the year last year because he put up like MVP numbers down there? Yeah. Yeah, I think they they kind of missed the window to trade him. So at this point, put Bob out there and, and let They're it rip. Up. He's got yeah. quite literally nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Bobby I think that <laughs> that's their secret weapon this whole offseason. John Henry's like, why do I need to spend money? I got Bobby Dahlback waiting in the wing. Ready to go. It's one way to look at it. This sounds like a plan to me. Yeah. Well, what if we just, like, the ninth inning comes around, he's playing right field, and we just call him in Little League style to pitch and close it out? Yeah. Alex Cora goes out there, points to the bullpen, and the bullpen's like, who do you want? He's like, no, give me Bob from right field. Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Bob's closing us out. Give it all you got. I can see it already. It's the it's a tie game, top of the ninth. They bring him into pitch. He leads off the bottom of the ninth, walk off Homer. <laughs> Boom. He goes one, two, three in the top of the ninth, goes up to the bat, bottom of the ninth, first pitch. Bang. Onto the pike. Game over. Bobby Dahlbeck's the answer here. That's that's what it is. Damn, this is getting me excited about Red Sox baseball with Bob. Nothing gets me excited about Red Sox baseball like Bobby Dahlbeck. Let me Ooh. tell you. And if you want to see Bob out there hitting bombs and striking guys out in the mound, then you got to get yourself some tickets. SeatGeek is my favorite place to buy tickets. Not only do they have fantastic deals, but they also provide you with tools to make sure you're getting great tickets. They give you a grade for each price so you can be confident you're getting the best value possible. They show the view from your seat so you know you're get, know what you're getting, and you get tickets right on your phone, making it all easy. With their wide selection of sports, concerts, shows, and more, SeatGeek knocks it out of the park, like Bobby Dahlbeck, when it comes to buying tickets. Plus, you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using our promo code, DUGOUT. That's D-U-G-O-U-T. Dugout. With that 20 bucks you save, you can Venmo that to John Henry to maybe help out a little bit. The only, the only, the only Venmo I'm doing with John Henry is requesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not paying him because he's just gonna put it into a different team. Yeah, request for damages. Do you think he even knows how to use a phone? No. He's probably still got like a Motorola. Yeah. He probably thinks that Red Sox Nation loves him because he doesn't know how to use Twitter. He's not even on there. That must be horrible. Imagine thinking that everyone loves you, <laughs> and then. Not knowing that right behind your back, everyone is just trashing yeah. you all over Twitter. He gets to Sox for the weekend. He's like, oh, I'm a great owner. Everyone loves me. And they start booing him. He's like, whoa, whoa, what is this? Why are what they happened? doing this? Oh, they're, they're just playing a, a prank on me. It's just a joke. Yeah, no, they're booing TC right next to me. <laughs> Why do these guys hate TC so much? <laughs> Anyways. Sell the team, please. Um, one last thing I want to cover. We started out talking about it before we got on. 
There's this guy on Twitter. Uh, already forgot his name. There it is. Uh, Glenil Garcia. He's got 530 followers on Twitter, right? But hear me out. He's a semi-pro baseball player in Puerto Rico, also a pastor, also an author, and he's claiming to be a source. He is tweeting out all this these juicy rumors. He's saying, if I write on here what I heard on heard, Twitter will go crazy. OMG, let me confirm this. He's saying the Red Sox are willing to pay this guy and there's mutual interest, but he can't say the name till it's confirmed. He's also saying Jorge Soler was asking for three years. Now the number has gone down to two years, according to some source in Cuba. He's also tweeting out Mike Clevenger's baseball reference. So according to this Glenil Garcia guy, the Red Sox are about to sign Jorge Soler, Mike Clevenger, and Blake Snell all at the same time. Uh, we have an update on that. Uh-oh. 28 minutes ago, he tweeted out, for those sending me private messages asking about Soler, today has been a very quiet day. <laughs> yep, he did say that. Which is funny because he said five hours ago, this looks like a great week for some decisions to be made. So really what we got here is um, I'm very desperate for Sox moves and I'm just clinging on to this guy with 500 followers tweeting rumors. It's really, really the only hope I have right now. Well, he's definitely my favorite shortstop slash second baseman <laughs> for the Lemonster Expos. Yeah, mine too. He's also my favorite author and pastor. Yeah. All right. On that note, that'll do it. Here's a website. (laughs) Here's a website. Glennielgarcia.org. Oh, wow. .org? Oh, my God. Wait. He's he's my favorite organization, too. Wait. Yeah, me too. Hold on. It's in Spanish. Uh, I got you. This is a... (laughs) Wow. This is is his minister website. Do you see the jacket he's wearing here? That guy knows some stuff. I trust him. I fully trust him. So when we hop on uh, next episode, we would have signed every free agent out there. Appears, I'm excited for that. He's a book. It's called "The Benefit of Being Rejected." That's pretty applicable to the Red Sox. Yeah, almost too much. They've been getting rejected <laughs> quite a lot. This guy knows all. That's all I gotta say. Anyways, uh, we will be recording consistently, so that's cool. Uh, for the off season, we'll be doing every other week, and then when the season starts, we'll be doing every week. Uh, so until the next episode, let's spend some money. How about it? And let's go, Bobby Dahlbeck. Excited for him. Bob. Bob, stop. See you next time.